Mm. Holy Spirit, we invite you that as we look at your word today, that you will move in power, that you will set us free, that you will set our feet to dancing. It's a day of victory, and Lord, we thank you that you have given us victory, that we can be in Christ. So Lord, may your glory fall in hearts today. In your name, amen. So today we're going to do something, we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. I think it was two times ago that Marty, when he was worship leading, he began to speak out and declare over us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the moment he said it, it was like something in me arose to that word, and it felt like a now word. And so I heard that, and then I've been in conversations with people, and I keep sensing this theme of no condemnation, because I hear people's stories, I hear where they're struggling, and I see where condemnation is rising up, where it's taking hold, where it's keeping people in bondage and keeping them captive. And then this last week, or maybe two weeks ago, I get them confused, Marty was once again worship leading, and he began to declare the same verse again over us as a body. And so in that moment, I said, Lord, is this something you're pressing into? Is this a a topic, a theme that you actually want me to speak into today? And so I just had a piece about that. And so that's where we're going to go today. We're going to open up the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. And I'm reading from the ESV version. Romans 8, chapter, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, there is... There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by our flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. One of the enemy's greatest tactics is to use condemnation. His name, Satan, means accuser. He's an accuser of the brethren and he wants to render you guilty. He'll speak to you. He'll prey upon your low self-esteem. He'll prey upon your fears in hopes that you will come into agreement with what he said about you. He's trying to instill the very opposite message that the gospel message is all about. Christ came to liberate us. He came to free us. He came to declare that you are not guilty. In Jesus' name, that you are actually pardoned. But the enemy tries to do the exact opposite. (laughs) We have the Bible reading out on a phone right now for those watching online. (laughs) Do you have a word for us? (laughs) There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is a beautiful summary of the gospel message. And do you notice the word now? 
There is now no condemnation, not future. Sometimes we talk about the tension between the now and the future. It's now. You positioned in Jesus Christ, your standing now is not guilty. Now you are pardoned. Now you are not condemned. Today. I want you to think back to a moment, maybe even a season where you felt condemned. You see, the deceptive words of the enemy, they cause us to feel alone, to, get, to beat us up. To give us a sense of doom or like our situation or even ourselves are completely irredeemable. What familiar words do you hear that beat you down and that steal your joy? What are those words that are so familiar to you? Because God wants to set you free today from those words. You know, not only... Condemnation doesn't only come from the enemy, it can come from others. But I think sometimes our worst culprit, in addition to the enemy, is ourselves. We're our own worst critic. We're hard on ourselves. You wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror, and you're already saying something about yourself that you don't like. You hit your head on the pillow at night and rehearse your day. The first things that might come to mind is where you failed, where you messed up. The condemning words fall upon your soul and upon your spirit. It may be a familiar to us, the sense of condemnation. Just wondering about sharing. You know, my father... He, uh, oh, my father's a lovely man. <laughs> he is a lovely man. But you know, one thing he struggled with is self-condemnation. He did anything wrong, and he's so mad at himself. And us kids would be like, Dad, let it go. But it was like you could hear him rehearsing words that were once spoken to him. And that's what we do. We rehearse those words and we let them beat us up. The enemy loves to remind us of past sins. How many have had that happen to you? Even though you've, for, you've asked Christ to forgive you, you're not even walking in it anymore. But he'll bring it up and bring it up and bring it up. He doesn't want you to forget it. He doesn't want you to believe that Christ actually set you free, that Christ has actually forgiven you. The enemy doesn't want you to believe that God's mercy is for you today and every single day. He tries to leave us humiliated over and over as though every day we're hearing this new reading, guilty, new rendering of a verdict. Psalm 103.12 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is to the west. Whatever past sin has come up into your mind as I've been speaking, speak this word over it. Christ, God, has removed my sin as far as the east is to the west. We have to use the word of God 
to cut off the head of the enemy where he seeks to destroy us. You see, what the enemy can't stand is actually somebody who knows they're liberated. Somebody who knows they're free. Somebody who knows he can't put a tether around the ankle and pull you back. Someone who walks free of shame, free of condemnation. They're not afraid to say who they once were and who they now are in Jesus Christ. See, because God gets glory. God gets glory from our testimonies. I was thinking about Alpha. There are some amazing testimonies in the Alpha series. I was going to play one for you today, but I didn't want our live stream to get shut down for (laughs) reposting. But there's some amazing stories of people sharing where they once were and what God has brought them out of, and God gets so much glory. They come out of that place of condemnation into freedom. I want to briefly mention that condemnation is not the same as conviction. It's different. Conviction humbles us. It leads us to repentance. But it's like it comes with like a wrap of love or like a father's hand holding your hand as he gently corrects you and leads you into maturity and leads you into growth. So it's different. I want to look at verse 1 again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice that there's a condition for those who are in Christ Jesus. Freedom from condemnation is only for those of us who have come to that point that we've realized we need a savior. We've turned our lives over to Jesus Christ and we've said, be the Lord of my life. Those who have not will one day stand condemned before the Father because they never allowed the Son to save them. But there's time. If anyone here today or anyone watching online has not yet yielded their lives to Christ, there's time to run into his arms and ask him to save you. Ask him to redeem you. To remove the voices of condemnation that hold you back and beat you up and keep you feeling so awfully alone. Listen to what Christ has done for us. Verse 3, God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. You see, part of the word condemned means to put an end to something. So the enemy tries to put an end to you and to me through his condemnation. But what does Christ do? He condemns sin so that you may be liberated. He puts an end to our sin. It's only because of Christ and his death on the cross where he took the wrath upon himself, he took the punishment for our sins so that you and I could come boldly before the throne of God. What a gift of grace we have been given. If we don't believe 
God when he says you're a new creation? That you've been given a new heart? That I put my spirit within you? We could fall prey to the lie that says we are stuck in our sin. And that's exactly what the enemy would want you to think. And he'll use condemnation to keep you there. But when you grab hold of the truth that you're no longer under law, but you're under grace. It's like when you come to that place of revelation, you realize that his holiness is at work in you. You're never the same. He changes you from day to day. When you die to your sin, you no longer let it choose to reign over you. You're going to experience liberties within your soul that you've never experienced before. For those of us who are in Christ today and yet we're struggling with condemnation, I just want to say that when you face the onslaught of temptation, you are not condemned. When you go through the dark night of the soul, you are not condemned in the midst of it. When you are tested by fire, you are not condemned. Even in these moments when we stumbled into sin, he says there is no condemnation for you. Proverbs 24, 16 says the righteous may fall seven times, but they get back up again. I want to read you a passage that I absolutely love. Zechariah. I'm sure I've read it to you before over the six years of being here. But this is a passage. It was a vision that Zechariah had about a priest named Joshua or Jeshua. And this vision took place in the courtrooms of heaven. For those of you who are visual, you might want to close your eyes and envision it. However you want to allow the spirit to speak to you. But this is such a beautiful picture and I don't want you to miss it. Verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand that I plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed in filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken away your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. I just want to take a moment and stop and pray. For some of us today who might be feeling like we are filthy. We know know all the truth and yet still there are times in our lives where we just feel dirty. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and you heal those moments. That you heal any transference of spirits in Jesus' name where the enemy has been able to have his way. And Father, I just want to ask that you release 
captives today and give them the revelation of your clothing them with pure vestments. That you are clothing them in the purity of your love and of your joy. In Jesus' name. Those beautifully adorned vestments make you worthy to stand before a king. They make you acceptable before the king. Ask the spirit to help you grasp today. Feel like in my own life, there's like levels of revelation that I get into these beautiful truths, but there's always more. It's like there's a next layer to the truth that needs to go a little bit deeper, needs to hit maybe another memory, another area of my life that has not yet grasped it. And so pray today that the Holy Spirit brings these words so that they'll be revealed in your heart. Because just as like Stephen was talking this morning, like when we've actually grasped what he will do with to, uh, for us, we will not run to any other lover. Nothing compares. Our hearts will not be yoked to anything other than the Lord. And miracles begin to occur in the depth of our soul when we're awakened to the purity of his love. It's like oil, healing oil that runs over those deep and dry and broken places of our soul. I want to share an example of someone in scripture who could have allowed their failures, their sin, to keep them stuck in that moment, feeling small and condemned. First off, have you ever noticed that uh, the Holy Spirit wasn't too concerned about protecting the image of men and women when he inspired scripture? People's sins are laid bare for all of history to witness, to read. And so Peter, Peter has a few recorded. Remember when he took Jesus aside, he rebukes Jesus because he had just said, I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be put to death. Peter's like, no, this can't happen. And what does Jesus do? He looks over to the disciples. He looks back at Peter and he rebukes him. And he says, get behind me, Satan. For you do not have on your heart the things of God, but the things of man. Ouch. That was not one of Peter's finer moments. And then his next great moment of shame wasn't recorded in just one of the Gospels, but all four. The Gospels don't always record all the same messages, all the same stories. But wouldn't it be nice if your story, your shame, had landed in all four of them? And not just one. You know, I think I would, you know, if my great failure or shame had to be recorded, I think I'd say, could you like put it back in maybe Habakkuk? Just mix it in there somewhere where nobody would read it instead of the four most read books. 
And then to even add more misery to the situation, before he even sinned, God called him out in front of all the disciples and warned him, told him he was going to deny him three times. Can you actually put yourself in Peter's place as these events are happening? I want to read Matthew 26, verse 69 to 75. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them, before them all, saying, I don't know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know this man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of, are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. You see, Peter could have let that moment take him out of the game, as it were. He could have let him sit there in this pit of condemnation, hearing the mocking laughter of the enemy, coupled with his own self-contempt. And that's where he could have stayed. You're such a fraud. You're so weak. If people really knew who you were, you will always disappoint the Father. He'll never use you. You're only going to screw it up. And on and on, the fiery darts of the enemies go. enemy goes. When Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him, Peter, what was his response? I'm not going to do that. I would never do that. I would go all the way to death with you. You see, Peter was so full of zeal. He thought that he was, his zeal was powerful enough to tether himself to Christ, with, to Christ even to the point of death. And yet here he sits. I can't even imagine the sick feeling you would have in the pit of your stomach after something like that. Here he sits in bitter tears, coming to this revelation of who he is, coming to terms with his weakness, with his failure. I was thinking about the fact that the moments of self-awareness like this will always be a part of our salvation story because without them, we won't even realize we need a savior. But this is exactly why Christ died so that he could speak over you, no condemnation, my son, no condemnation, my daughter. I even see your sin to come, but I declare you not guilty. <laughs> See, Peter's state resulting from a sin was not a new revelation to Jesus in the same way that it had been for Peter. And this moment, these moments in no way hindered God's plans for his life. 
I'm just seeing a picture of the father pulling a man across the line. It's like he's been on the other side, this line of condemnation. And I see the hand of the father reaching out and pulling him across that line. It's a new day. Freed from the torments of the enemy. The beautiful thing is that right before Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him, what did he tell him? He told him he was going to use him to build the church. He told him he was going to give him the keys of the kingdom. There's some of us today who have been given keys and we've put them down because we've been living in the condemnation, thinking that we're not worthy for that. But beforehand, Jesus says, I'm going to use you to help build the church. Your past is done. Stand up unhindered and live and walk into the fullness of what the Father has for you. Luke 22, 31 says, Simon, Simon, which is Simon Peter. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. And that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, which is a word for repentance, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This was all spoken to him before he even messed up. Jesus knew his sin to come, and yet that didn't take him out of the game. Jesus even gave permission to Satan to sift him like wheat. And he knew the bitter tears that Peter was going to have to face. But Peter didn't stay in that pit of condemnation. He didn't stay there. He, became, he came to a point of repentance, that point of turning. And then God uses him to build the church. He steps into the very things the father had spoken over his life from the very beginning of time. He was the first one to preach the book of Acts. What part of the building the kingdom of God has he given to you? What things has he spoken over your life that maybe have been put aside? We all have a part to play. Some of you today are great encouragers. And you might feel like that's a, not the greatest gift. Maybe you want something a little more, I don't know, out there. But you know what? There's a whole lot of people who need words of encouragement right now. And that builds the church. In your darkest moment, in your deepest shame, Christ says, let my victory be your victory. Stand up and walk into all that he has for you. Just want to ask Josh and Carol to come back up. We're going to close with a song. You can keep celebrating. And I just want to read Hebrews 8, verse 12. It's part of God's covenant towards us. I want these words to ring over your heart and soul this week and the days to come. 
for I will be merciful towards their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Amen.